Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. I am alongside Julie Shields Rutina from MIFA today, and we are talking about financial aid award letters, and we're going to talk about college savings and paying for college more in general. Are you still with us, Julie? I am. All right. So... Again, we, we wrapped up going through our first financial aid award letter and spent a bunch of the first part of the show getting working our way up to the time when our when our student gets their financial aid award letter. I think I went through most of this, although I, I did pass over the federal work study program. I don't know if we can I don't know how much you want time you want to spend on that, but I think we should do a little bit on it. I think most of us are familiar with the work study program. I actually didn't I didn't it says federal. I didn't know if I don't know if that's the only work study program or if it's available it's available from colleges as aid in addition to or in lieu of the federal. So how about a, spend a bit of time on work study? Yeah. So the main work program is the federal work study program. Okay. And what that does is it's a federal program and it's awarded through colleges. So it generally allows colleges to hire many more students than they might be able to because there's yeah. that dollar match that the federal government is giving. So what it allows is a lot of student employment on a campus yep. and a lot of students to be able to get a job. So that's the main one, although colleges themselves may have other work programs too. So you see a little bit of that in there. Okay. Uh, but in general, I just would say, I, I think it's a terrific program for the student, both because it's, it's some money for them to be able to use. And it's also good in other ways to be connected Connected on a campus, connected to some adults. Let's say you have the flu and you're in your room and you're supposed to be at work. There's a there's someone who's going to call you, figure out that you're sick, you might need help. It's just that other possibly adult connection, other community yeah. on a campus. And then I mentioned that many of the jobs are fairly easy and would allow you to do your homework at the same time and or get some real life experience that could turn into a career. So all of those reasons, and I talk it up because I definitely talk to parents who sometimes say, I don't want my child to have to work the first year because I don't want to affect their studying. And yeah. I have a really great colleague who always says, just because your child isn't working doesn't mean that they're studying. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so don't worry about that so much. It's been shown that students who work for about 10 hours per week actually do better because they manage their time well. It's yeah. only when students are working at much higher amounts of hours that could start to cut into their okay. studies. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another way to learn responsibility, right? Because you at this point in life, you, I, at least I forget because I don't have teenagers. I, you forget how responsible or irresponsible you may have been at a certain age and any anything to get you a little bit more experience out there in the real world is helpful is it a is a thousand dollars the limit per semester or is it does that depend on the does it depend on the student does it depend on the school or is that kind of all over the map 
Yeah, that also is a need-based program, so it's okay. tied to need. And while that can go up and down from there, what you just mentioned, $1,000 a semester, is a very typical okay. work-study award. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. It looks like these awards, I think we'll maybe get into some of the FAQs on, on some of the award letters. The award letter, it seems fairly simple and straightforward. Right? Are we talking about like a one- or two-page summary here? Is that a kind of a normal set up for an for a financial aid award letter it is and so i'll mention two things here about how to compare them it is a one or two page summary but as i mentioned families will see that they all look a little different and so sometimes some are better than others and some might leave off the costs or not put a lot of summary in there so parents may find themselves having to dig a little bit to make sure they're comparing apples to apples. And I will mention this one tool because I think it's a great one. It's called the College Cost Calculator on the MIFA website. So MIFA.org and then you can type in College Cost Calculator. That allows a family to just type in the numbers of the costs. I think it's up to six colleges. Okay. And then of the aid received and then the balance. So that way, if on an award letter, they're missing a couple of costs for housing oh, or something, they can go find that. And that really allows them to compare apples to apples and see really what they are going to owe. So then they can begin to think about, okay, so how are we gonna meet that? We have a $20,000 balance at this college. We have a $40,000 balance at this college. We have a $6,000 balance at this college. So not only does that give a clear picture of on an affordability scale this would be a great choice and to have those conversations with your child but also really see what is affordable what is not affordable and go from there okay yeah even the two you sent me and uh, which i have a heck of a time you redacted everything including the names of the colleges so very well (laughs) i was at least trying i was looking at the pictures and seeing if i could recognize any of anything but no I have no idea what, what 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 these colleges are for, but this, the two that you did send oh, send over, the first one that we already went through, right? The the total aid offered, and we'll 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 put that in air quotes, was sixty nine thousand dollars, and it actually matched up with the total cost of the college. Although, again, they did put in the federal direct parent loan into essentially it looks like it was just done to bridge the gap between the actual cost of the of tuition and fees and all the other associated costs and what they if they were able to qualify for and other types of aid the second one that you did send over did show it seems like it was a, maybe a more honest assessment of the financial picture there was another dean scholarship there was a trustee scholarship so there was some free money there there were there was also coincidentally the same amount of federal of federal stafford loans there was 35,000 subsidized in 2000 and unsubsidized and they add their aid up to $36,000 and then they give you the actual balance of of the cost of the college and they put a big $25,000 700 and change of essentially here's what else you're going to owe for it. Yes. So you know, cl- clearly there are differences in these two. And on, on its face, the first one looks better because they threw some money into the aid column, but that's really just of the parents paying for that in the case of the federal loan. So I would, yeah, so I guess I did. You do need to look closely at this stuff. But now, 
maybe we can talk a bit about is this kind of where MIFA comes in as far as you get this aid award letter and it says, hey, there's $25,000 here. People may or may not have $25,000 and we can talk about savings toward the end of the show. But you know, what happens if you get that aid award letter and it, there's just a big hole in it? And then yeah. kind of, what are the next steps or yes. what should you be looking at and what are your other options? Let's dig into that. Yeah. And I'd say, if you don't mind, we can continue to talk about savings, but let's talk about it right now at a point. Okay. So if you're this, these families and you have these award offers, one that shows a $25,000 gap there that you need yeah. to fill yeah. and the other that really shows a $30,000 gap, yeah. but you have the option of the plus loan. Yeah. Let's say you've been saving for your child. Let's say you have $40,000, which isn't everything, but it's a lot. Let's say you have $40,000 saved. Isn't that a beautiful thing that you have that first year covered? Yeah. Now let's say you saved $70,000. You really feel great because you have almost three years covered. So that's where it's hard when we're talking to parents of babies and second graders and fifth graders to say to be saving for college. And they're feeling like it's so far away and yeah. oh, but I have my mortgage and I have sports activities. But the truth is, across the board, you will be so happy if you have some money saved, because what you just described is exactly the situation you're going to be in when your student's a senior. And to yeah. have that savings, it, it just takes so much pressure off how you're going to how you're going to pay. And again, you can see some people might think $40,000 is nothing or $70,000 is nothing when you're thinking about these full cost of college. Yeah. But at this moment, that's key. That's right. that's really helpful for you because you're you have one or three years covered. Anyway, that's just really my plug for you will be happy for saving for college. Yeah. Now, if you don't have that, you can do a couple of things. The conversation. Actually, so, before you move on, yeah. let me. Yeah. And I just want to essentially follow on to what you said. And I think yeah. the just a, the psychology of college savings is both like how far away it is, right, for young folks. And also the headline, like this, this financial aid offer that you sent over is not the headline that anyone sees in, in college, right? It's not, oh, this college costs $70,000 a year. But after you go through all of this, your actual cost is whatever that is forty or fifty thousand dollars, right? They hear whatever the local school is. I don't know what it is around here. It's BU, and they charge. I, you know, apologies to BU. I know they they just have. I think they're the one that always pops into my head. Mm -hmm. they, it's ninety thousand dollars a year. I don't know if that's accurate at all, but that's what makes the headline. And so you get this sort of combined. Oh, it's a so far away, and B. You know what? I can't save all that anyways. If you run a if you run a ninety thousand dollar per year school for four years, and then you did the math on how much you need to save in order to fully fund that. And then you multiply it by one or two or three, right? Because you may have more than one kid. It gets so overwhelming that it really works against folks with regards, oh, you know what, I'm not even gonna bother. What's what's the point? And we and I hear that all the time. And it's just it's so expensive and it's the I guess the actual cost I think that people have in their head probably isn't reality for the average parent of the average kid. And so we just want to make sure that you know that, right? It's not everyone's going to pay $90,000 a year for college. Maybe inflation adjusted yours will be, but it is worth saving. And I know you spend a lot of time trying to convince, convince students, parents and students to save. 
because it, it's so much more helpful. And even if it's a little bit, and even if you only save a quarter of what the of what the advert, you know, of what's in your head for a four year school is going to help a lot. So I just I know I essentially just said what you said, but I really want to make sure that you get that because it, it is important to save. And, you know, what the messages you get about college affordability in the media don't always match up with reality. You I'm not even going to say another word because you <laughs> encapsulated that perfectly. And that is exactly right. Yes. Yeah. yes. OK. And we, yeah. And again, we'll maybe yeah, time permitting, we'll get into some of your college savings options later in the show here. But yeah, let's get back to our student here who has we'll give we'll round off. We'll give them a twenty five thousand dollar per year gap. In, in, in what's on their financial aid offer and what the actual cost of the college is. So now what do we do, right? Yeah, and so let's say that you don't have savings, that you just weren't able to save. Yeah. So there are a couple of ends of the spectrum. And so let's take one end of the spectrum where for whatever reason, this is a family that even that $25,000, given whatever situation is going on, seems like too much. It seems like yeah. a lot and they don't really, they really don't wanna take on extra debt Yep. Then one thing hopefully they could do is parents, students sit together and hopefully you've applied to a number of schools and have a number of these award letters on your kitchen table and you can sit down and say, all right, I know that's your first choice, but let's look at your second choice. You really liked it when we visited. Do you want to call? Do you want to go to an open house, accepted student day? Do you want to find out more about that? because the gap is smaller there and we could see if you like that just as well. And that might be a better decision for both of us if you went there, that's one option. Yep. Another option is you could go back to that first choice school with the gap and talk with the financial aid office. And I know the word we hear from parents a lot is, can I negotiate? And <laughs> we say, don't use that word and don't think of it that way because okay. the people at colleges don't think of their jobs that way at all. They think of, we're trying to offer this financial aid in the most yeah. equitable way we can. We're trying to do our best. So treat yeah, it they're, that they're, they're, This is not a for-profit institution. They, they don't get to keep the, they don't get to keep the extra money. It just goes to probably okay. another kid or some other program that they would find valuable. Exactly. Yeah. But to just say, call the financial aid office, or if they want you to email, find out the way that they want to have you submit an appeal and just give an honest picture to say, number one, this is my child's first choice. Yeah. He really wants to go to this college because of X, Y, and Z, whatever that might be. And, but here's our financial situation. Here are a few extra pieces that maybe you couldn't tell from the FAFSA. That's right, because they're just looking at, right, the, we, didn't even t we didn't even touch on the FAFSA, but they're just looking at, you're just a bunch of numbers. When they're making those decisions, you are not an actual person. And so anything you can add to that, any color that you can share is helpful to say, here's some additional things. My, my son is willing to work in the summer, work on campus, but when we do our numbers, we just need a little bit more to, to close that gap. And they have to go into that with an open mind. Some colleges might come back and say, thank you, I'm sorry, we went out with our best offer, that's all we can do. But many colleges will say, okay, let me see what I can do. And if they know that that student is going to come if they sweeten that pot a little bit, they might be able to give a little extra money. And I like to give some numbers when I'm talking to people about making that appeal. I would say always make that appeal. 
but have an expectation that if you're asking for $25,000, that's probably not going to happen unless there was a real mistake in the financial aid numbers. But if you're asking for $3,000 more, that that is a, a possibility. So always ask, but keep no, manage your expectations. I guess it might make sense, right? Because I assume the financial aid the award letters would go out right near the near acceptance time right and how long would you have to accept right what's the is and i probably varies from college to college but i assume you have an amount of time to make this decision of some number of months i would hope you do and in fact i'm so glad you brought it up great question may 1st is basically national decision day okay so while there might be a some unique situations mainly it's may 1st that you're going to make your decision and submit a deposit at a college so for that reason colleges really need to get these offers to you march april at the very latest to give you weeks and and they do so even going back for an appeal i would say let's say you receive an aid offer in february or march Try to pull that together pretty quickly, but then definitely give the college a a little time there so that they have the chance to respond before you have to make that decision. Yeah. And if you think about it, they they may every few weeks that goes by, I assume the college has more and more information about their next year's enrollment. Right. So you get in a situation where they're they're coming in under what they had expected. And so maybe maybe they really want to get the student in. And so maybe they're more willing to increase their aid off because they have to they're worried about (laughs) they're worried about enrollment. It's 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 not quite like a sales quota, but there's definitely that's something that I'm sure colleges would take into account when they're giving out financial aid. All right. Do you want to get into let's see, we have a few more minutes before the break oh yeah and i guess we went through the you get your final aid offer and let's just say maybe the college does sweeten the pot a bit let's go on to what your options are you know, obviously federal parent plus option parent plus loans are an option i assume we're talking about private loans there are state authorities i assume are also giving loans so what, what do you do if you have that hole and you can't pay for it right yeah. i owe twenty five thousand dollars a year it's i can maybe i come up with 10 out of my cash flow i don't have any savings so i'm, I'm short 15 grand here what do i do then yes and i will quickly say you mentioned one thing about coming up with 10 out of your cash flow all colleges have a monthly payment plan that you can join where you split the cost up and pay monthly. Okay. So that's always a good option because that's not a loan. So, so after if you don't have savings or you used your savings, you can join the monthly payment plan. And then the final option would be financing and taking a loan. Now, every other loan now that we're going to talk about that's past those federal student loans is the students can't take that on their own. So they're going to need a co-signer, or it's going to be a parent. And so either the parent and the student are going to be on the note, the parent's going to be on the note, or the student's going to borrow with a parent co-signer. Okay. At, at this point now, we're into credit checks and all of that. Okay. And so at this point, it becomes really the family finding the best loan for them that fits their situation. And the places to look, and we can talk about this further if we bump up against the break, but is the, look at the Federal PLUS loan. And the one thing about that is the parent is the only one on the note. MIFA has loans, so we are in this work at that point. And with a MIFA loan, both parent and student are on the note. And we usually have good terms, so worth definitely looking at the MIFA loan. And then, I don't know, maybe the parent works with a certain bank. They can check, does their bank have an educational loan? Some parents ask me of home equity. So 
I ask parents to take a look at all of their financing options and look at interest rates and all of the other terms to find the one that works best for them. Okay, that is perfect. That's very good timing because we are up against a break. My name is Justin McNamara. You are listening to McNamara on Money and we will be right back. Did you know that there are almost 10,000 mutual funds out there? Not to mention almost 2,000 ETFs. And what's an ETF? Given these overwhelming numbers, how do you go about selecting what's appropriate? Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. If you're ready to let a professional worry about your investments, visit us at McNamaraFinancial.com. And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, and I'm alongside Julie Shields Rutina from MIFA today. And we are talking about college financial aid award letters and just college savings and payment more generally. And so I did want to, I think, toward the end of the of the college financial aid offer, and we just started into paying the bill if you don't have the money to pay the bill. And so I, I think we should maybe do a bit more on that. And uh, then we can transition into some other stuff, time permitting. Here is, can you mention that there once once you're you've exhausted all of your aid options, you're essentially just going out and trying to find the best deal for you. And Mike, is it the case that that market? Can you generalize that marketplace? Can you say, oh, you should definitely check the Federal Parent Plus loan, or you should go to an internet you know, direct lender, or you should check with your local bank, or you should go to MIFA? Is there a is there like a hierarchy of that or is it such a is it so different and ever changing that you really need to be looking at all this stuff all the time? I guess it's once you start adding on because you mentioned, all right, there's a parent plus loan. And then I know that there you could go to the bank. Right. And then you could I'm sure you could go online and search and you'd get Google would tell you that there's at least 50 different companies that will give you a, a direct loan. And then there's if you live in Massachusetts, you have MIFA. Right. So I assume that gets pretty overwhelming. And it's and do you have advice on like where you would start? Is it me? I guess you're probably going to say it's me for right? <laughs> no, I won't say that. I, and I you really have, all the answers. Yeah. have that as one option, but I do have it as an option. I'll tell you why. But definitely, yeah. yes, I would say definitely look at the parent plus loan. Okay. That's, you know, that again, because that's in the parent name. Yeah. But then say MIFA and other state authorities like MIFA. So that's okay. what I'll say, because um, because of our the nature of who we are, we usually, MIFA and other state authorities, usually have really good interest rates and really good terms. Okay. Sometimes the lowest that you can find out there. So without a doubt, it's it's definitely enough, the second place to look or the first place to look to start. Yep. Um, and then the third thing I'd say, you know, at first I mentioned if you have a bank you work with, which of course you would, because that's a relationship that's already established. You can see what they have in that in the way of offers. And another place that can be helpful then, instead of then, okay, the rest of the world is open to you as far as all the lenders out there, yeah. is colleges themselves will sometimes provide a little bit of guidance. And I say a little bit because they're not going to tell you what to do. Okay. But sometimes they will have a page that will say, here are, here's a list of lenders that our students have borrowed from in the past. or So they might have a place to start or they might refer you to one of those, like a loan marketplace where you can put in what you're looking for and a list of lenders will come up. So I would say you don't have to feel like you have to turn every stone okay by just doing those few things i think you will be able to see okay here are my options here i'm going to take the one with the best 
interest rate and the best terms, you know, as far as repayment schedule and all of that. Yeah. So that's, I think it's not as overwhelming as you'd think. And the timeline is pretty narrow. People don't have to do that months before. You really have to do it in that May through July timeframe. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. A lot of times that first payment's due in August a lot of times. August. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's usually payments are due August and December. That's rough, but that's about what it is. Okay. Do you have, and I'm just curious, and it's okay if you don't have a great answer here. I know when you're trying to cover this gap, right, when there's not enough money, you essentially have the options. The parents are involved in some way, but they could be, I think there's a different psychology, right? If it's a parent plus loan, I think the parent gets the bill and the student is not involved. My, when my wife, yes. my luckily, the, my parents were kind enough to have me come out of school without any college loans. So my experience is all, it's all through my wife Suzanne. But she was the borrower, right? And so she must, she must have had a parent cosigner on the loan. But I think there's a fairly different psychology, right? If you're actually getting the bill versus if you're, it's, oh, my parents took out this loan for me, but it all goes to the parent and the kid is out of that deal. And I I don't know if you have any, are you, do you just shop for the best rate and you take a parent plus loan, but the parent says, hey, this is your loan. Is there, I know it's very situational, I'm sure, but is there anything you can say on that as far as who, you know, who has the loan in their name, who gets the bill and who's expected to pay it back? It's, I assume it gets pretty It does. And so, again, you've hit on a perfect issue here. So, yes, it's in the situation that you described where the parents pay for college. And if they're using savings or taking a loan, you as the student don't even know about it. That's fine if the parents are just taking care of it. Yeah. But most I won't say most times. Sometimes that's not the case. And so what I would say is that it's very important for the parent and student to have this discussion up front, who is going to pay? Let's say it's a MIFA loan. Both parent and student are on the note. Okay. And some parents might say, we'll take care of it. Some parents might say, this is yours. Yeah. And some parents might say something to the effect of, we'll help you while you're in school, pay the interest as it's accruing. But once you get out and get a job, you're going to take care of it. So all of that, I think, has to be really clear from the beginning And if the student is going to have any responsibility, then they really need to be involved. Yeah. And and need to be involved from that point of even choosing the college, because if they're looking at that first choice, second choice, maybe that really will make a difference. And that student would choose to go to the second choice college if it meant they were not going to have this additional loan on the other end because they wanted to go to grad school or... They had ideas of what they wanted to do and didn't want to be worrying about. So it's really important for those conversations to happen. And I guess in my experience, sometimes they don't happen as clearly as (laughs) as they need to be. So make that clear. And then the bills will if it's if two people are on the note, both people will be receiving that that statement. But then one person is paying. You set it up of, okay, who's making that payment? Okay. And then if the student is on the note with with the co-signer, there could be varying degrees of who's getting that communication. But um, students really need to know if I'm going to end up paying this, I need to stay on top of it and understand what this means. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, There's like a weird, there's a strange ownership thing, right? Where it's just, even though you might both be on the, if only one person's getting the mail, it can, right? So like in a lot of parts of life, communication, I think obviously is going to be key. And it's not easy, right? It's the kind of thing where I think you probably, 
a 17 year old, maybe they're not mature enough to handle it, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, just like anything else, like with the college selection process, you got to work with the student in advance as much as you can, because it's just until you've been in the real world, anyone with kids knows my kids are running around the house and something breaks and they just, it's like, there's a little shoulder shrug and let's, I didn't pay for that. So it's not, it doesn't really affect me all that much. <laughs> but and it's the same thing with finances and kids. Oh, yeah, that's good advice. More communication. All right. I think I've gotten to the end of the award letter. I, there are a few FAQ, there's a few FAQs. I think you guys must blog a lot on MIFA.org because you sent me links to a bunch of different blogs. And there are a few questions that I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to, read all of them, but I think a few of them will make sense for us to just touch on. And so unless you have anything else you wanted to say on on the uh, the financial aid award letters, I can move into a few other questions I have here. No, that's great. That's great. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Well, this is going to be tough. Hang on a minute. There's a lot. How many? Yeah. How many? You sent me five different blogs. I will put in a little yeah. plug then for yeah. MIFA, just that that is a place to get great information on the website is to re- yeah. read some of the blogs. Yeah. And the one that I wanted to cover, and I, we covered it a bit in the beginning, was it says, will I, this, the particular question that you're answering here is, will I receive more financial aid? when I have more than one child in college. And I think I I wanted to go back to that piece. I know the college obviously wants to communicate, you know, they they don't want kids dropping out because they can't afford year two or year three. And I know you mentioned that in in the beginning of the show, they try to telegraph as much as they can. Here's the cost that you're gonna be incurring. That said, as most people know, and most people have heard, if you have two kids in college, that affects your your EFC, your expected family contribution, which is going to be renamed to SAI per you soon. How much change can we expect year to year from that financial aid piece? I assume the Dean's scholarship, if you got that, maybe wouldn't change when you go from one kid to two, or if you have, frankly, you have to do the FAFSA every year. If your income changes substantially one year, how much change might you, how much change should you prepare for year to year in that aid? That's so great. And I'll take it from a wide perspective, but then let's talk about that. Yeah. How many kids are in college? Cause that's changing this year. So oh, it's it a big change, but in general, again, when you receive that award letter, you should be able to expect that if your situation stays similar, Colleges will try to give the same financial aid offer from year to year because they just know that's good practice that 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 making that fluctuate is not a good thing for families. So they will try to keep it similar. But if if, you, if in your job, your income is because income is the biggest factor right. in that financial right. aid eligibility, yeah. if your income is significantly Larger, and I, it's hard for me to say exactly what significantly larger is. Yeah. But I'm going to say if it's much more than a typical raise that you would get every year, right? Then yes, there could be some change to your financial aid. Okay. So families just will have to know that if one year their income is two hundred thousand and the next year it's two hundred and fifty thousand, that yes, there right. there might be some change there. Other than that... Is it mostly to the... And I, I guess I, if you look at the actual... Because I know the school is acting on behalf of the federal government, right? It's a, it's a, it's As you look at it, you're getting this offer from the school, but it says federal direct subsidized student loans. And so it does... It's not easy to wrap your head around, all right, well, are they going to change my dean's scholarship? And this certainly happened. We had COVID a few years ago. If you're a small business owner, you can have wildly fluctuating income, right? If you work yeah. for a publicly traded company and maybe you have stock options and you have a year where you exercise them and all 
all of a sudden your the income that you're showing at the end of the year is could be it could be double or triple what it was before. So you can there are certain and it doesn't happen to most of us, right? Because most of us have regular jobs with semi regular income, but there are certainly taxpayers out there mm-hmm. who will go through significant changes to their income. And it's, it would be, it's just, a, it's something that you would worry about, right? Oh, I got, I got $30,000 this year in my aid package. What happens if it's 15 next year? That hopefully right. that doesn't move that much, but it's something that you should at least, it's something that would worry me personally if I was in that kind of a job that had ups and downs as far as income goes. Yes. And in fact, if, if your income goes down, you could stand to receive right. more right. aid, which is also good. And yeah. I would say if you do have a fluctuating income, like that would always be the case where you might want to follow up with the financial aid office. So they really understand that maybe your situation isn't the typical type of situation. And you can always, the more information you provide the financial aid office, the better as far as that. But I would say that the income would be a big part of that. You should definitely share But if your income stays relatively the same, you could expect a similar financial aid award. And I'll also say if there's any merit-based aid in there, that does not get affected at all That because that's based on the student. And the only way that would be affected is if they didn't keep a GPA that was part of that, as I mentioned. Um, So that would be, I would say, the biggest effect on a, a changing award letter would be fluctuating income. Okay. But you mentioned the number of students in college in the year. Up till now, that could also have been a reason that the aid award fluctuated greatly. Because in the past, up until now, the FAFSA collects how many students are in college, then there's a number there. And if that goes from one to two or two to one, (laughs) that has been a big factor that did allow that adjustment and that families could benefit a little bit if they had two in college at once. I say benefit because it's it always came out in the wash because they're paying two, <laughs> yeah. but they would get I've, a little yeah, bit of a break. We've all heard horror stories of, oh yeah, like if you have four kids and you look and two of them are twins and I say, oh, this year I'll be paying four college tuitions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just so, crazy. Yeah. But going forward, starting the next year's FAFSA for the 24-25 year is going that question is not going to be on the FAFSA. So it's going to be less of a reason that an award could get better or worse. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't some colleges who will take that that into consideration. Some colleges use another financial aid form called the CSS Profile. And that asks a lot more questions and will continue to ask how many students are in college. So some colleges can still take that into consideration. But with the main financial aid form, the FAFSA, that that won't be a question going forward. Oh, okay. So that won't have that effect. So that's well, less, that's worse then. Is that so going to be basically a negative? Or are they making other changes that may offset that? They are. That's thank you. Okay. <laughs> they are making other changes that will offset that. But but it sounds negative, and I know some parents are picking up on that when they hear yeah. that piece. But they're changing the whole formula. It's called FAFSA simplification, which. Makes me smile a little because nothing seems simple with. You'll be out of business pretty soon, Julie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but yes, but that particular part of it could have a negative. Could at least they won't get that extra help because of that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the frequently asked questions here is is about when I'll just read the question. If I use all of my college savings at once to pay the bill, am I more likely to have a lower EFC next year? And so I think that's the answer to that is, yeah, I'll let you answer the question first and then we can talk a bit about how that affects planning. 
Oh, that's what a great question, too. So the answer is yes, because if you don't have any savings, that savings is part of the financial aid formula. So you would appear to have a little more need. Yeah. But as you and I have talked before, Justin, that your savings is a tiny part of the formula, whereas right. your income is a large part of the formula. The effect is small. If, okay. if you use all of your savings, yes, that makes you look a little more needy, but it it the effect isn't as great as one might think because okay. of the way your assets are treated in a very small way okay. in, in the formula. So for that reason, what I think families probably should do is decide based on what's best for them, what's most comfortable. Do they feel comfortable feeling like, great, we can take care of this year. We'll worry about next year, next year. Or do they feel more comfortable keeping spreading it out a little bit? Is that going to give them comfort and they can work with you on yeah. all of that but it has it will have a small effect but not a large effect okay yeah and i think you know so one of the things that i'm mostly involved in this piece of the discussion i think generally speaking even if the bump in potential financial aid for next school year is small i think it's usually better to if you're going to have if you have cash to pay, it's usually better to pay it in year one because there's full benefits. One is you may qualify for a bit more financial aid, even if it's a small amount. And then there's also the fact that your interest is not accruing, right? If you, if you take a, if you have cash in the bank, if you have 25 grand in the bank and you take out a loan, unless it's a subsidized federal loan, your interest is going to be accruing yeah. through those college years. So you put off that accrual for another year. And so normally when I have that discussion, it's best for you to pay first. And then if you're going to be, if there are going to be loans involved, better to take those out in, in, in a future year. Again, it doesn't always work out that way. That's not a blanket statement. You may have an invest, you may have investments that are down in value and you may say, well, all right, I think it's likely that these will come back up. So maybe the expected return of this, that, or the other thing is above the, the interest that I'm going to accrue. That's a, a possibility, although not generally likely because usually you're fairly conservative when you have your, your college. Hopefully you're pretty conservative when it's time to start writing your college, <laughs> your college right. bills. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So there's a few college health insurance we talked about is, so for those kids who don't have health insurance coverage through their parents again, and which is not, I would say it's, it must be a fairly small minority because it's, tw it's age 26, right? It's 26. Yeah. And so I, my guess is that it's a fairly small minority, but is it the case that the college would offer the health insurance for in those cases? Sorry. So it's an actual college yes. plan. I think I remember that. Um, from the good old days. Let's see. Yeah. And you, can you waive that cost? The answer is yes. Do you find most college aid award letters include most incidental expenses or is that something that's up and down as far as hey, this they, it's tuition and fees and it's room and board and then everything else is left off and you find you have to do a lot of digging to figure out what the quote-unquote real cost of colleges or the award letter is pretty good about telling you that it's a little bit of a mix but most will show you all of those costs but let's say you're looking at some award offers and they're showing you all of those costs in one where they're not that would be the place where you could say all right, they only list tuition and fees here. Now I definitely have to dig and see what housing costs and okay. incidental. So pick those award offers that really show you everything that look very clear and then make sure you understand those same things on all of the on all of the for all of the colleges. Okay. Yeah, we have we only have about five more minutes left, and there's a few things. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to make sure that we cover here? I can we can move into some repayment plans and or 
529s. I know they did make some changes to 529s in, in recent legislation, so we can cover some of that. I don't know. What are your, your, if you want to talk about loan forgiveness in the Supreme Court, I'm up for that too. You let me know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you really had a great line of questioning to, to be able to get talk about all of these issues. So I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, who knows? Because it's yeah. not worth talking about the Supreme Court because yeah. who knows what's going to happen there. But what I will say is no matter what happens there, And just around loan repayment in general, and this ties into that conversation we had about students taking responsibility and understanding, is just students should pay attention and pay attention to their loans and all of the options they have, ask questions, all of that, so that they just set themselves up for a good situation for repayment because they have tons of options, but we know what People in the early 20s, sometimes this is the first time you're having to deal with. And so it's common that students don't pay as much attention. So I would just really encourage if students are listening or if parents are listening to to make sure students really pay attention to that and start to take responsibility for that so that they can stay. They can keep themselves in a good situation. Yeah. And more, it's one of those things as well. You just want to get as much information as you can and make your best decision. But it's a little bit like retirement planning, right? For a young person, you're just trying to, we don't know what's going to happen, right? It's hard for, if you look at a repayment option, you can make a guess at what the best one for you would be, but it's because you don't know what's going to play out over the, whatever the number of years, the 10 or 15 or 20 years that you're repaying your student loans. We, you just, you're dealing with all that and and anything in the future has some level of uncertainty with it. So I would would say get get as educated as you can and make the best decision that you can and it's and just hope that it's the right one and, and go forward right is it's hard. I wouldn't stress too much about it as far as, oh, is this the wrong one? I picked the wrong repayment option. Now my income is up and blah, 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 blah. It's, it can be overwhelming, a certain, especially when you put the future, the future unknown along with this, the all of the options that you have available to you. So, And you can make changes, too. So that's a good thing, too, to oh, know you can. you can change uh, as you go along. Is there a once a year change? Because then we're talking no, about a you, lot of years that you could be. You really can make changes. Okay. And that's why I would encourage students to, given all the all of the issues with loans that are going to come up, I think that there will be information coming to them, but take it upon themselves to seek out (laughs) guidance around it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Student loans are still in, federal student loans are still in deferment. Is that correct? Interest payments? Correct. They are. Yes. Does that mean they're not accruing? I've actually, I know that. And they are not accruing. They're not accruing and there aren't bills due yet. And we don't know when that's going to end. And we don't know when it's going to end because it's definitely not going to end until this decision is made by the Supreme Court. But at some point it will end and students will have to. I think you said that last time you were on the show. Uh, All right. Wonderful. I think, yeah, you know, we do have to wrap it up here. So thank you very much. uh, Julie Shields, Rutina from MIFA. Uh, If you have any more questions, you can visit MIFA.org. It is a great website. Uh, My name is Justin McNamara. You're listening to McNamara on Money. You can check us out at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamara of the Merrimack.com. Thank you very much, Julie. I appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. Bye. Goodbye, everybody.